Hey, welcome home, everybody. I'm Jeremy Pearsons, and you are watching today a very special edition of Legacy Television. We are coming to you today for the first time from the new home of Pearsons Ministries International and the soon-to-be home of Legacy Church. We are here in Green Mountain Falls, Colorado. We are in the place that God has led us to, and it is a beautiful place. We're so excited about it. We're on 151 acres of beautiful mountain property, but as you can maybe hear, cars running past us. We've got Highway 24 right behind us that runs from Colorado Springs up to Woodland Park, Colorado and beyond. And it is the perfect location. The goodness of God has put us right here and we're so thankful for it. If you can see right behind me, the Legacy Church building is behind us here. And uh, right now, as we speak, there are crews in the building that are getting the sanctuary ready, getting the children's area ready. And we are looking forward to very soon being able to move in, start services and do all that's in our heart to serve not just this community, but to, to serve our generation all over the world with the word of God, teaching them how to live by faith in the day of grace. I'm gonna tell you something, Legacy Church is a local church with a global call. That's what this place is about. And we're so thrilled to get to share this with you today on this broadcast. I wanna take you back to a service that we did uh, shortly before we left Fort Worth, Texas. My parents, pastors George and Terry Pearsons, who of course pastor Eagle Mountain International Church on the grounds of Kenneth Copeland Ministries, had invited us to come and minister to the congregation there, the congregation that I grew up with in the church that I grew up in, and tell them all about what we were doing, where we were going, the vision that was in our hearts and the assignment from the Lord on Legacy Church, and we did just that. And we took that Sunday morning service to talk about what it means to live life in the house of faith, because that life is a different kind of life. And I know from my own experience, that's what it was growing up in my parents' house. It was a house of faith. We lived by faith. We lived according to the word of God. And our lives, because of that, look different than a lot of the lives around us. And that's what the, the assignment on this church is all about. We want to serve our generation, of course, with the word, teach them how to live by faith. We want people to experience, learn how to experience a whole life prosperity. And we want to help families raise their families in the household of faith. That's what this place is all about. So today I want to take you into part one of this sermon from Eagle Mountain International Church entitled Life in the House of Faith. And I want you to stay tuned all the way through the end of the broadcast because I'll be right back to give you the, the good report of the good things that our good God is doing. We're making great progress in our Buy Up and Build Out project. I want to tell you all about that at the end of the broadcast. But right now, let's go into this sermon from Eagle Mountain International Church, part one of Life in the House of Faith. got a Bible with you this morning, I want you to go with me to the book of Galatians chapter 6. I want to say thanks to mom and dad for giving us this opportunity right now in this time to stand before you and share some of the things that are going on in our lives. Dad told you, I think they've told you in weeks past, some of the, the adventures that are ahead of us. Um, just about three days from now, four days from now, we'll be packing up the car, headed out of town. We're loading up the office, we're packing up the house, and uh, we are out of here, as they say. And this has been my home for all my life, almost 40 years. <laughs> uh, born and raised in Texas, and this, is, this has been home. But Jesus said that there would be an opportunity for you to leave something for his sake and the gospel. 
Bibles. And I believe that every child of God, every believer in their life will be faced with at least one opportunity to leave something or to leave somewhere for his sake in the Gospels. And I'm, for one, I'm thankful that he gives you that opportunity. Because what that opportunity is, it's our chance, our opportunity to demonstrate what's most valuable to us. To leave one thing and pursue another is to say, what I'm going to, though I love what this is, what I'm going to is more valuable to me. Even if you're not leaving something bad, you're not leaving, you're, it's not about leaving sin. I mean, we, we did that, but the, Jesus is talking about leaving a home. This is not a bad thing that you're leaving, but what you're saying is, Jesus, nothing on this earth is more valuable to me than you and your gospel. Amen. And it's an opportunity to demonstrate that. So this is what Sarah and I are doing together. In just a few moments, I'm going to have her come and talk to you a little bit. And just like dad said, she has really been uh, a driving force in what's about to take place in our lives. I have sought the Lord for a number of years about this whole church thing. Am I a pastor? That's the big question I've wanted answered. Am I a pastor? I don't want to mess around with this if I'm not. And just about the time I think I am one, I travel and go to another church and to see the junk he's dealing with, I think, no, I'm not one. <laughs> But then it would come around again, that question. I've got to get that question answered. You don't want to step off into something that you're not anointed to do, right? But more and more and more, we've sensed that office and that anointing coming into our lives, coming on our ministry. But I will tell you this, this anointing to pastor has been on my wife, I'd say longer than it's been on me. And her heart, thank you, Jesus, for the church. Her heart for the church is what's going to make this thing prosperous. In some ways, I feel along for the ride. <laughs> I, know, I know I have a bigger part to play than that, but I want you to hear from her today concerning, concerning some of those things. But in the book of Galatians, chapter 6, down around verse 9, let's look at a couple of verses together. It says, Let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we'll reap if we do not lose heart. Verse 10 says, therefore, as we have opportunity. We talked about that just a moment ago. Opportunity. Everybody say opportunity. Opportunity, opportunity is one of the greatest gifts God ever gave man. Opportunity. The opportunity to respond in faith to his grace. He didn't force Jesus on anybody. Did he? No. Why? Because love forced on somebody else is not love. It's not love. What love does is create opportunity. Opportunity to respond to it. And that's what God's given us. He says, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all. Now, we, we know that that's a part of the assignment on the church the global body of Christ. We know that's a part of the assignment on each local church. Isn't that is to do good to all people in the church know that people outside the church know that. Actually, I think people outside the church want to hold the church to that even more than the church itself. You're supposed to be doing good. You're supposed to be doing this. And they want to tell you what that is. 
Folks, don't let people who don't love God tell you how to love God. <laughs> don't let people who aren't seeking his plan tell you what the plan is. You understand that, right? <laughs> but you and I recognize that there is an assignment on the body of Christ and on the church to do good to all, right? We know that, but listen to this. As we have opportunity, let us do good to all. But notice, especially, especially to those who are of the household of faith. The, the good that you and I are supposed to be doing is not supposed to be limited to doing things for an unbelieving world. There are things that we're called to do. Feed people, clothe people, build and shelter people and do things for people that don't yet believe as a sign and a wonder, a demonstration of the love of God to them that draws them to him. But there is a huge assignment on the church to do good to the church, to do good to the people of the household of faith, the house of faith. I want to talk to you this morning for a few minutes about the house of faith. You do realize that there's supposed to be a difference between this house and every other house in the world. There's a lot going on right now in our culture to identify difference and magnify it. Identify the difference between people and then get in there and get them to fight about it. And right now, these differences are being exploited. They're being magnified through people's words, through the way our culture is set up to communicate. They are picking out every single difference and magnifying it and saying, if we're different, then you hate me. Well, that's not true. That's not true at all. But they are saying that, that, that these, these differences like our difference in our skin pigmentation, Difference in gender, difference in, in uh, socioeconomic status, difference in heritage or lineage or nationality. All these differences, these are huge differences. These are not the biggest differences that could exist between people. Satan would love for us to think that, that, that these are the biggest differences, but the biggest possible difference that could exist between two human beings is one that is born again and one that is not. That's the biggest, listen to me now, possible difference. Sadly, oftentimes there's not a big enough difference, but this is the biggest possible difference that could exist between two people. One who's born again, one who's not. One whose spirit is alive unto God, one whose isn't. That's a big difference. Amen. That's a big difference. And when you read this scripture concerning the household of faith, I believe there are a couple of ways to read that. You could take it to mean the, the global body of Christ. And of course, that is the household of faith. We are the family of God. He wasn't after a religion. He wanted a family. Amen. And we are a part of this, this growing and this global family, this household of faith. We are his children because we call him father. Another little thing that annoys me right now, since we're on some of the things that annoy me right now, <laughs> is to hear people say, we're all just children of God. And at first it sounds good until you stop and think, no, that's not true. 
The only ones who are his children are the ones who call him father. That's what makes you his child. The only children of God are the ones who are Jesus' brothers and sisters. That's what makes him father and you child. So yeah, we're a part of this big global family. And there is supposed to be a difference between this family and the other family in the world. Now, it shouldn't surprise you or me that Satan has a counterfeit for family. Because he's, ha- he's got a counterfeit for everything God does. For everything God is, Satan has had a counterfeit option for it. So it, shouldn't, it should not surprise us that there is another family in this world and that one that would fight to tell you this is family, this is what family should look like, this is what family should act like, because Satan's always had another way of doing it. There's supposed to be a difference. I'm going to keep saying that to you this morning. There's supposed to be a difference. There's supposed to be a difference between the real and the counterfeit, the genuine and the fake. There's supposed to be a difference. And just when you start, you know, feeling uncomfortable because of how different you feel, how different you feel for believing what you believe, how different you feel for living the way you do at work, at home, in your family. Guess what? Get over it. Deal with it. There's supposed to be a difference. You want to know what kind of difference there's supposed to be? Paul said it like this. He said, we are sons of the day, not of the night. That's the kind of difference that's supposed to exist between us and them. Who is us? Born again, children of the living God. Who is them? Those that aren't. This is the kind of difference that's supposed to exist. Night and day difference. You don't walk out of this place in, you know, two, three hours and look up. (laughs) Brother Copeland is here, you know You don't walk out of this place and look up in the sky and see that big ball of fire hanging out up there and say, I wonder if it's day or night out here. You don't have to wonder, do you? There's proof. The light is the proof. That's the kind of difference there's supposed to be between us and them. This house of faith. But I believe there's another way. Oh, I could tell you like this. I read it in another way. Not just that, but when I hear house of faith, Man, that means something else to me entirely. Because I believe, and I've believed this for a long time, I grew up in the household of faith. Maybe you've heard me talk about this before, but I believe it's true. It's a big part of my life. I grew up in what I call the household of faith. I mean, I'm convinced if you do a Greek study of these words right here, (laughs) Copeland is going to be in there somewhere, (laughs) somehow. That's the kind of house I grew up in. It was just faith, man. It was faith in the morning. It was faith at noontime, faith when the sun went down. And that's the way we lived. And I realized pretty early on, going to a Christian school, I went to a Christian school not too far from here. And I remember, Mom, you correct me if I'm wrong about this, but I remember being six years old, walking in to Byron McKissick's office for that kindergarten interview and application. And uh, this was before school had started and mom and I were there. She's filling out the application form for me to go to school there. And she puts, you know, all the normal stuff, name, address, parents' names, grandparents' names. And I suppose you wrote down Kenneth and Gloria Copeland. 
And the way I remember you telling the story is he looked at that, looked back up at you and his eyes began to well up with tears. Is that right? And he pulled out of his shirt pocket a Kenneth Copeland tape and said, this has changed my life. And even at six years old, I sat there thinking, this is going to work out. (laughs) It's going to be all right. And that's the school I went to, kindergarten till the day I graduated high school. So I went to school with a bunch of other kids, a bunch of other guys and girls who, Christian people, Christian families. But you know, you got a school like this and there's a lot of denominations represented, a lot of different backgrounds, a lot of different doctrines and ways of thinking. And I figured out, I don't remember when it was, but it seemed pretty early on that even being a part of a Christian environment, being a part of the household of faith, there's a difference. Even between this house and other houses in the family. You know, every family has family within family. And every family's got that side of the family. (laughs) And sometimes let's be honest with each other. I feel like as the house of faith, we are that side of the family. We're part of the family, but we're the side. Oh, did we forget to invite you to that thing? You know, it's all right. We deal with it. We're okay. But every family's got that side of the family. And I realized as a kid growing up, even around other Christian kids, there's something different about this. We do things differently. And you've heard me tell it before, but you know, some friend of mine would disappear from school for two or three days and come back and we'd say, where were you, man? He'd say, oh, I was sick, not feeling good, had the flu, whatever. We're like, are you okay? Oh, I was fine. Yeah, just sort of laid around, watched TV. Mom brought me food. Wasn't bad. I was thinking, that's not what happens (laughs) in my house. When you come in and say, mommy, I don't feel good. It was not immediately met with a coddling and a petting. It was lights on, covers off. Where's your Bible? Get your confessions. We're going to take communion. Say this after me, Jeremy. (laughs) By the stripes of Jesus, I am healed. By the stripes of Jesus, I say it like you mean it, boy. Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law. This is how we did it. This is how we handled stuff. And I realized pretty early on, we go to the word for everything. If mom and dad are right, then this book has something to say about everything. And we're going to find what it says and we're going to believe what it says and we're going to live what it says. And I figured out this is not what's happening everywhere. But this is what it means to grow up in the house of faith. And anytime, anytime Aubrey or I, either one, will come to mom. Come to dad, I need this, dealing with that, going through this. Every time it was met with, well, what's the word say? What's the word say? What's the word say? And it kind of gets to the point when you're a kid, you're like, just tell me what the word says. (laughs) That way I'll know and I can tell you. I remember when Aubrey was in college, we were on the phone and she was frustrated with mom and dad about something. And uh, she and I were talking about it and she said, I just talked to mom and all she says is, well, what scripture are you standing on? What scripture are you standing on? Every time I talk to her, all she says is, what scripture are you standing on? And it got real quiet and I was like, well, what scripture are you standing on? I don't know. 
you want me to say something else? I don't know. I grew up in the same house you did. But how do you know there's a difference? There's a difference growing up in this kind of house. I want to read some scripture to you. Go, go to the book of 2 Corinthians. We're laughing about it, but I'm telling you this right now, I wouldn't trade it for anything. I would not trade it for anything. And what little ridicule I endured at school, a little bit of persecution or whatever, because we're that side of the family, it's worth it. You get over that in a hurry. When you find out that you've got access by faith to all of the grace of God and you get taught and trained how to lay hold of it and how to stand and how to fight and how to believe and how not to give up, I'm telling you, I wouldn't trade this for anything. I want to read several verses to you from 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And I'm going to read quickly through them, but there is a word that keeps coming up verse after verse after verse. And if you're not watchful, you'll read right past it. But I want to put some emphasis on it and see if you pick up on what we're, where we're going here. Just begin in verse 1, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. He said, Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. But we have renounced the hidden things of shame. Skip ahead to verse 5. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord and ourselves your bondservants for Jesus' sake. For it is God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. Verse 8. What's that first word? We are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Look at verse 11. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be made manifested in our mortal flesh. Verse 13. And since, shout it out loud. We have the same spirit of faith according to what is written. I believe, therefore I spoke. We. we also believe, therefore speak. Verse 16, therefore we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal way to glory. While we do not look at the things that are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are, are seen are temporary, the things which are not seen are eternal. Chapter 5, verse 7, read it out loud. For we walk by faith and not by sight. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Legacy TV podcast. We hope you enjoyed this. And if you'd like to hear more of Jeremy and Sarah, subscribe to this podcast and download the Legacy Studios app. From there, you'll have access to the Legacy Television broadcast, the Legacy Letter magazine, and so much more. You can also visit pearsonsministries.com to contact us directly and find out how you can get involved with everything that's happening here at Legacy Studios. Be blessed today. We love you. Remember, you are always welcome here in the House of Faith.